You're listening to Limitless Leaders Podcast. Accelerate your mindset, collaboration and performance by developing limitless self-leadership, leaders, teams and organizations. Now, over to your host, Renee Jerusso. Hi, and welcome to the Limitless Leaders Podcast. My name's Renee Jerusso, and welcome back if you're one of our regular listeners. And we hope you enjoy this show if it's your first time listening. As always, we love your feedback, thoughts, and suggested podcast guests. And feel free to reach out at podcast at renegerusso.com if you have any further feedback um, or suggestions or questions to ask. This last year has been a huge year of growth. And a lot of you know I'm all about what I call a uh, bursting mindset, where we want to grow, do more, become more. And today's guest, really, really, to me, lives the the gift of growth. And I'm super excited to welcome Brad Hart all the way from the USA. Welcome, Brad. Thank you so much for having me, Renee. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm so grateful to be here. Yeah, and it's it's just great that we can do this across the oceans, across the world. So a bit of an intro to Brad, and he's got an amazing initiatives, achievements, successes, and, and thought leadership that I'm so excited to share with everybody today. So for 20 years, he's been an entrepreneur, and for 16 years, he's been managing wealth under his belt. He's gained extensive experience in real estate, investments, trading, marketing, sales and peak performance strategy and he's built and helped several companies growing revenues and profits into the millions of dollars. His hedge fund, Hartwood Capital, returned 106% in profit in a single year. From co-leading a mastermind, and masterminds are something Brad's really passionate about, of 52 people in China and Hong Kong, to holding mastermind groups in Bali, Italy, Greece and all over the US, Brad has been a part of 28 masterminds and started 10 himself, including a local weekly mastermind group that has 500 members. He's the founding member of Knowledge Broker Blueprint um, and speaking and training in that team, led by Tony Robbins and Dean Grazi. Graziosi. Graziosi, I should know that. Right, Um, Italian last names. (laughs) Yeah, it's a community and self-education movement and it's helped tens of thousands of people to grow and launch their own masterminds. Make More Marbles is Brad's company and it's a top 10 affiliate partner for Tony and Dean as well. Build a Mastermind is Brad's favourite initiative, helping entrepreneurs to add 100k plus to their businesses in profit for year with only 10 5 to 10 hours a month ongoing time to commit to this um brad's authored two books the eight minute mastermind that was released in january 2000 there it is and 20 and the choice stories of life love and learning that was released in 2018 Brad grew up in New York and today we're talking from his new home in San Diego, California. So welcome, Brad. What, a, what an extensive and um, amazing, amazing, amazingly energetic bio you have. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I feel like I need to put a disclaimer in there. Feel free to cut any of these pieces out if they're not relevant to the people listening because I want to make it you know, uh, palatable and exciting for everybody listening. So thank you for listening through all that. It's, it's really interesting and, and difficult to speak about yourself in the third person, but grateful for you slogging through it. And I hope that uh, you get something really great out of this podcast. So let's, let's rock. 
Let, let's get into it. So, so Brad, tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, you've, you've done a lot in what feels like and seems like a short amount of time because I, I can see you right now. And for those of you that can't, Brad's, Brad's quite young. Um, just take it, Brad. So what I guess I'd love to know sort of a bit about your story and how you got into doing and becoming the person you are today. Yeah, thank you, Renee. So I grew up in New York and, you know, my parents were, were pretty much, you know, lower to middle class. They, they worked real hard. Uh, my dad was a lumber truck driver and my mom worked at delis. When I was two years old, uh, my dad was in an accident in a lumber truck and, and couldn't walk. He, he hit, um, going down a hill, the, the lumber hit him in the back, going through the cab and made him uh, unable to walk for six months. They needed a couple surgeries to get back and going. Uh, a couple years later, mom had to leave us to go find work to support us. It was a really hard time in the beginning, you know, we're living on social security and disability checks, but we managed to keep a roof over our head. And I, I, I thank them, you know, for that. Uh, I wasn't, uh, you know, I, I was an only child. So most of the time I was left to my own devices and I had to grow up very independent. Uh, so by the time I was, you know, 11, 12, 13, I was already doing odd jobs. I was starting to, you know, mow the lawn. I had to take care of the house. I had to wash dishes and take out trash from the lawn, everything I had to do. And, um, you know, I just learned at a young age, like if there was anything extra, if I was going to make anything but subsistence happen, I'd have to make it happen myself. Yeah. So if I wanted to rent a video game or buy a guitar, you know, I got one in the back there, like I've been playing guitar since I was 12, I had to make it happen. I would, I would work really hard and save the money. So that's where the, the seeds were planted, I think. Yeah. Uh, by the time I was 16, I, I got in a fight with my dad and I ended up moving out of my house. I was living in my car for a little while until the coach realized I was showering at the gym every day at, at school and made me uh, call my mom and I moved in with her for a while. Uh, eventually went to college, got my life on track, and uh, started to to bartend and do a few other things. I was an EMT. I worked on a shooting range. I just had all these different jobs, right? Yeah. So I really got involved in entrepreneurship young, but at the same time, I feel like I really got serious about it when I was in my early 20s. You know, I, I formed my first company in my early 20s, uh, right around the time when, uh, you know, if you'll remember, 2007, 2008, when the market fell out, the bottom yeah. of the market fell out. So here I am, I'm just starting to get my feet under me. I'm just starting to learn. And then the whole world kind of goes toes up. So I transitioned. I'd always want to work on Wall Street because ever since I was 16, I learned that my grandfather had done really well with stocks that his great uncle, my great uncle had bought him. So his uncle yeah. bought like Standard Oil and Bell Telephone and all these really cool stocks that became 25 different companies over one generation, basically, mm. and one lifetime. And I was like, that's really cool. So he, you know, your uncle buys some stocks that your, his, his nephew can then retire on when he's, you know, an older gentleman. I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So that, that was what got me excited about that. So I started putting money away and I, I saved some money and I started investing and I, I mostly got it wrong, but I was learning and figuring it out. And I read a lot of books. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad and all the ones that you normally read. Yeah. And I think the real turning point came when I was in real estate in New York city. Um, I did that for a couple of years. I had a team of five people working under me and I really thrived in that environment. Even though it was 2008, even though it was the hardest time ever, I really got a kick out of like talking to people, working with people, finding situations and solutions to the situations because a lot of people were struggling back then. Mm. So I got like five promotions in two years. I had six people working under me. And then one day I'm going to visit my mom. It's Mother's Day and I'm on the train to Long Island and I get a phone call that I didn't recognize from a police officer that told me they found my dad passed away. Yeah. So it was really sad turn of events and... um you know, everything kind of shifted from there. So he had some, some money saved, you know, he hadn't, you know, he wasn't really like, he was an alcoholic, but he, he wasn't like terminal or anything. We weren't, you know, yeah. Yeah. expecting him to pass away. So now all of a sudden I had a choice to make, which was to either stay in real estate or continue to pursue my passion. And I think how at old, that time how, in my life, how old were you then? 24. 
Yeah. So, so at that point in my life, I'm like, all right, well, I can keep going down the real estate route. And I, I kept one toe in that water for a little while, but mm-hmm. I realized more that I thought about it. I wanted to really go big. So I ended up um, doing a couple different things. I met Sir Richard Branson. I got to go to Miami and spend a couple of days with him at a charity function. That was cool. And that really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Uh, I could tell a lot of stories, but we'll keep them tight. Uh, I got to meet Tim <laughs> Ferriss and go to Africa with Tim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I got to meet Tim Ferriss, go to Africa with Tim. And he, he asked me on this trip, a question that changed my life. He said, well, what do you want to do with your life? And when I told him, he says, you, do you want to go to North Korea? I'm like, North Korea? Why the hell do I want to go to North Korea? He's like, I got a friend that's going there and he's running a group. He's taking a whole bunch of people there. And I think you should go. I think it'd be really good for you. I'm like, uh, are you going to North Korea? He's like, no. I'm like, why do I want to go to North Korea? Who's your friend? Like, he wouldn't answer any questions. So I'm like, I don't know. I passed, you know? So I come home and I got an email from Neil Strauss, who I had also met wow. previously. Yeah. And, and Neil had just come back from this trip to North Korea for a mastermind group. And I had never heard of a mastermind group. I'm like, that sounds pretty cool. Like the president can't go to North Korea, but this guy brought a bunch of people there. And th- this would have been when they were first developing and coming out the masterminds. Right. Like they're big yeah. now, but back then, yeah, wow. Yeah, so the, the terminology is, is pretty old. I mean, even like um, Ford and Westinghouse and, and Edison had masterminds that they were part of way back in the day. But yeah. it was more of an informal thing. Like the, the, the first mastermind I ever joined was Neil's and I was in it for three years. And all of a sudden I'm around all these incredible people that mm-hmm. are seven, eight, nine figure earners. And I'm like, yeah. wow, I really got to step my game up here. So yeah. I start learning, I start growing more, I start creating more opportunities. And that's what led to me starting that hedge fund that we mentioned earlier on. Yeah. And we had incredible financial success, but I wasn't very fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So here I am, I'm 26, you know, I'm making more money than I ever thought I was going to make a million dollars in a month. And people are listening at home. They're like, wow, I can't make my rent. Screw you for being complaining about this. And I'm just going to say like, I get it. And when you're on the other side of that and your whole life, you've struggled with money and then you finally have a huge windfall and you're like, this is everything I worked for. And you're unfulfilled and you're completely disconnected and burned out. Yeah. You just realize like money's never going to make you happy. No, no, it's a, it's a conduit, but it's not the be all and end all. I I totally agree with that. Just, just on that, what I guess, what there's a huge part around resilience there and losing your dad at 24. I lost my dad suddenly at 23. Um, and ironically I was in America when he was in Australia and it happened around the same time. And I guess what was something you told yourself? I, you know, the gift of resilience is all about what was it that pushed you forward to have that energy to do what you did at that age? Cause such a young age. You know what's so strange is so much fell apart in my life at that point too, because he was unknowingly the glue that held my family together. Yeah. And, and I was the sole beneficiary and executor. So like all of a sudden it all fell on me to, to figure out what was going to happen next. And a lot of people were unhappy with that. Uh, they all felt entitled to something that legally they weren't entitled to. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a lot of falling out. I had a lot of people, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that, that didn't, didn't, didn't like or agree with how things went and, you know, a lot of people were giving me good advice and some people gave me bad advice. I didn't know who to trust. Yeah, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any experience. It was like a whole bunch of stuff at once. Yeah. If I had it all to do it over again and I had my experience now, I could have more easily handled it. But, you know, knowing what you know at 24 and you don't That's really know right. a lot, yeah. you know, it was hard. So, so that was a big adjustment for me, for sure. And I, I didn't handle it as well as I could have. But I did what I could. I did my best for the time, right? Yeah, and that's that's what you've got to look at. You did your best that you could. You were the best version of you for then. And that that was why this whole question is all of these things have led you to become who you are today. And everything right. next year, if we chat again, will be, you'll be becoming someone different again. 
hundred percent. So the journey's never over. You're all, you're always on the journey. And what I learned, I think is, is, you know, even though I made mistakes and, and I'll be the first one to own those mistakes, you know, I made and missed out and lost out and, and risked and, and did all kinds of stupid things. Uh, I made a lot of good decisions too. And, you know, some of those decisions had they, like I bought 22,000 or, or sorry, uh, $22,000 worth of Tesla at, at 22 bucks. <laughs> Right. Um, and I didn't get to keep all of it. I sold yeah. some of it as it went up, but now that's worth like $2 million. Like yeah. that's a, that's a ridiculous hundred extra turn that I would have, I would have made. So like I made some good bets. There's a lot of them like yeah. that. You know, I looked at Bitcoin when it was like five cents and I, I, bit, I invested $5,000 into a Bitcoin trading app. Had I just bought the Bitcoins, I'd be a billionaire, but yeah. you know, live yeah. more. Uh, you know, stuff like that. And yeah. I'm like, you know what? I just, I learned now in retrospect, cause you know, hindsight's 2020, I got to really stick with my bets. So, yeah. so that, that kind of led to that piece. And then that's more strategic, but personally, I think I really found my flow when I started focusing on other people. Cause I used to have one rule, which is make a lot of money and everything will be fine. And when that didn't prove to be the whole picture, I, I upgraded it to, I borrowed uh, some of my mentors rules, help a lot of people, yeah. have a lot of fun, make a lot of money. And that's if all right. three of those are happening, that's a great life. And I love that. And that's the whole piece around contribution. I'm big into contribution of self, home team, work team and community. And I think doing what you do, especially now, really fills those cups, those three cups. Mm. Mm. So, so yeah, that's what led me to Tony Robbins' work. That's what led me to NLP and, and yeah. hypnotherapy and all the things I got to do. And I got to release a lot of baggage and work through a lot of trauma and whatnot. And now I feel more centered, you know, I'm in a much happier place. I live in California, not New York. I, yeah. you know, I get to travel, I get to live my lifestyle. And I, I've built now three companies, luckily, uh, in different niches. The one that I'm running now, Make More Marbles, is probably been the longest standing, six years now. Yeah. And I've got a really great team and we're impacting a lot of people. So what we do is very simple. We write books uh, about specific topics that I feel like I have some expertise in or I bring in experts. Uh, like the 8-Minute Mastermind, you can check it out if you want at the 8MinuteMastermind.com or just 8MinuteMastermind.com. Yeah, that's, that's, we'll talk about that. Let's, can, we, can we just go back a bit and talk about, I guess, for me, I think the masterminds are the conduit to growth. It's getting people together. It's, it's open. I've literally yeah. run three, three this week that we're, we're talking. Um, for, those, for those listeners out there, because not everybody is familiar with masterminds, mm -hmm. what just basically is the concept and the belief and I guess the, the output, the, the outcome of them? So a mastermind can be structured a lot of ways. What I see it as is a group of individuals with similar values and similar goals that yeah. are looking to be better and stay accountable and have the support and resources and connections and opportunities and whatever they need to succeed. Yeah. Um, and they get together on a regular basis and they, they keep each other accountable to their goals and they help each other solve their problems and get clear. That's the most important thing. I think clarity is the clarity. most important part. And I really harp on that. Yeah. In, in, in my teaching and in the book and with my clients, because mm. a well-defined problem, a well-understood problem is half solved. That, that, that's right. And if you can't articulate it, it, it's a bit like if you're selling something, if you're not, you can't say what you're selling, you're not going to be easy to buy. <clears throat> if you've got a problem that you can't articulate and start with the outcome in mind, then you can't solve it. So what do you think are the key ingredients to a mastermind and how would I guess, how would our listeners listening right now that may not have run one, and especially in the late week, as you know, I do a lot of with, with leaders, teams and organisations around mindset and going to the next level. How could they set up just a few steps for our, our listeners, um, set up a mastermind just to kick off? Something Certainly. So, so the tools I would teach, there's, there's one thing and then I'll, I'll just teach the hot seat formula, I guess, would be the fastest thing. Uh, the hot seat formula is really simple. You start with, that, out with 30 seconds, who you are, what you do. 
just to give everybody some coordinates to ground them. Then you talk about what you're grateful for or celebrating because you don't want to start on just diving right into the problem. You want to start in, a, in an air of gratitude and start on that vibration, which is more helpful for solving problems, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then you, you go for 30 seconds on that and then you do 60 seconds of just stating what the, the challenge is in the most clear terminology possible. And then nobody is to dive into solutions yet. They're, both, they're supposed to ask clarifying questions until everybody in the room is clear on what the actual problem is. Because a lot of times you can't solve the problem in the same consciousness in which it's created. You have to kind of take a step back, chunk out, you know, chunk up, chunk down, and ask some different questions to really get to the clarity of that, that whole iceberg, not just the tip of the yeah. iceberg of what the problem actually yeah. is. And then from that place, the solutions come easily and naturally. I love it. And, and it typically, if you had a team, a leadership team of say six to eight people, what would you say? And I know how long's a piece of string. I run them at different amounts of time. What would you say is enough time per person to clarify with questions and then sort of, you know, workshop solutions? Yeah. So that the, the whole goal is clarity and you can do that in eight minutes, yeah. right? And that's why I call it game in a mastermind. Yeah. <laughs> Eight minutes per person. I, that's right. So, and the goal, again, if you get clarity, you're good because then you can follow up afterwards with solutions as well. Yeah. As long as the group is clear on the problem. No, I, I absolutely love it. And I'd love to get your, your thoughts on this. I have a bit of a saying, especially when I run, we run a lot of in-house programs, you know, speaking, et cetera, in big companies. But I also run a lot of public programs where I run masterminds and things. And I always use the terminology bringing like and unlike minds mm -hmm. people together. How important is that in really rustling up a, you know, a, a mastermind <laughs> that shakes things up? Yeah. And, and we actually compiled 50 hot seat recordings so you can hear how I run them to get uh, a sense of it, you know, and, and the reason we did that is because I'm actually a mismatcher and an ENTJ. So like if you take Myers-Briggs, I'm more like a Steve Jobs type. Like I'm not... Yeah warm and cuddly. I don't really, you know, value feelings above, you know, truth and facts and, and what the right yeah. thing to do is. Uh, not that I'm heartless or anything. It's just, oh, it's, it. you know, people, people are different, right? I'm not yeah. an ENFP. I'm an ENTJ. So, so, you know, I'm always pointing out the thing that most people wouldn't point out, yeah. right? I'm looking for what's wrong, not what's right. And that's just the yeah. naturally way I'm wired. And I think that's, it conveys an evolutionary advantage, but it's not polite. It's not, you know, I hate small talk. I hate, I hate fluffy stories. I want to get to the, the heart of things and really tear them open. So a facilitator like me, you know, might be a, you know, a different style than some people, but I think it's effective in that setting, yeah. which is why I love doing them so much because I can find the dirt. I'll dig and, until I find and it. And challenge. And I'm a bit, I'm actually known as that as in, and in the coaching space as well. You know, I'm not there to be your friend. I'm there to take you to the next level, right? That's right. Sometimes you've got to get, you know, comfortable being uncomfortable. I have a bit of a saying around, especially at senior leadership level, that debate trumps harmony for comfort's sake. Mm, right? I, like I, always, I always use the metaphor, I don't know, in the States, you know those little dogs that sit on the dashboard and their head moves? I can't stand, I call them dashboard dog leadership teams, right? They all walk out and they're all happy, happy. And the minute they're in the kitchen, they're like, oh, that was a load of crap. Yeah, wag it's their like, head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I love, I absolutely love, and I'm a big advocate for the whole, the whole mastermind concept. And I have read the eight-minute mastermind. And those of you will give you all the resources in our show notes. So make sure you get onto that book. Um, so I'd love to, I'd love to ask you, because I meeting you and we've had a few chats you 
a big word in my life and my top value in life is growth of myself and others. And I see that in you. And I think that's why we sort of gravitated to each other. What does growth mean to you? And why is it hard for some people? Do you think? So here's what I believe. I believe that life is set up for you to win. Yeah. However, it's not set up in the way that a lot of fairy tales might put it. Yeah. I believe that you start with a desire right? And you get inspired to go towards something. It's a goal. It's a, it's an aspiration. It's a dream, whatever it is. And life is like, great. Well, if you want it, if you could have this thing, you'd already be the person who could have it. So we're going to give you all the challenges and the problems that are going to allow you to grow into the person who can have this. Yeah. And, and, and then what happens? People hit these challenges and these walls and they're like, oh my God, this is not meant to be, or, oh my God, God hates me. Or, oh my God, life's against me. Or, oh my God, my luck sucks. Or, oh my God, blah, 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 blah. Instead of being grateful instead of just being grateful that, Hey, I got the challenge. That's going to create me into the person who can have the thing I want in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you can be grateful for the challenges, the pain, the struggle, the stuff that's, you know, growing that muscle to get you to be the person who can have the thing when it shows up and you have it, you'll, you'll appreciate it more. You'll be more grateful for it. I really believe that life is set up for people to win, but they don't look at it that way. They look at it. Oh my God, I tried. I failed. It's over. Forget it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's a whole scarcity lack mindset. And I'm, I'm a big believer in we have everything within us to do anything we want. And I live my life like that. And people that don't get it, that's fine if it works for them. But I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, being, we do a lot of work, um, Brad, on gratitude, you know, and knowing the obstacles to gratitude to be able to live a life where you're full of gratitude is important. And as soon yeah. as you do that victim mentality, the blame below the line, all that, you know, I reckon you go into what I call a bubble mindset and it's hard to get out of. hundred percent, you know, and, and I, I really feel for people who are stuck in that, but life wants you to have what you want. That's right. As long as you're clear and as long as you're willing to take action for as long as it takes, then you'll get there. You know, one, one of two things will happen. You'll get there, you'll die. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) If you had, Brad, if you had just three really bullet point tips, on how to really bring growth into your life for those, you know, and we not everyone's like us. Some people do struggle to get that clarity or mm. have that drive and I guess that innate motivation. What would yeah. be three tips? So get good at prioritizing. Yeah. Because you can't do it all. You can't do it all at once anyway. You can have it all, but you can't have it all at once. So yeah. that's one thing. I, I only ever attack my day with three top priorities in mind. And they're scary things that actually move the ball forward. They're things that stretch and grow myself and my team. Love it. So that's okay. thing one. And uh, I would say thing two is, is fear is actually your best friend and your guide because fear points you towards things you're uncomfortable with. And exactly. by definition, the things you want are outside your comfort zone. You'd already have them. Yeah, love it. Yeah. So that's two. Uh, three would be, you know, find a mentor, find somebody who's already done what you want to do in some respect and pay them as much money as possible to get their attention and their reputation on your, on your side. Yeah. People have like an allergic reaction to investing in themselves. It's ridiculous. It's like, you can, you can, you can make more money. You can't make more time and energy. And what's the price of failure. If you know, if you didn't give it all you got, like I've invested over a million dollars into myself and I've been able to generate millions as a result. And one day I intend to generate billions. It's not for the money's sake. It's for the impact's sake. So, so yeah. and the reach. You gotta find the mentors and invest. Yeah, and I believe those in where we've got some the top self growth tips, and all of those are in there. And and for those that can be struggling financially, I always say the world is your oyster now. Geez, there's podcasts. There's, so easy now. Oh, it's it's, it's so easy and it's so hard. But it depends how you look at it. Yeah, yeah. Life is very different than it's ever been. 
And that's great in a lot of ways. I mean, you have more computing power in your pocket than the president had in 1996. You can connect to anybody in the world you want to, but you have to do it. You have to try. That's it. I mean, look at us. 10, 10, 15 years ago, we wouldn't probably be talking, you know. Never in a million years. So any, just back to the masterminds really quickly, any tips on running virtual masterminds? The world's changed 2020. Mm -hmm. We all know that. People are finally embracing technology and, you know, the whole virtual space. What would be some tips if, if you're sort of facilitating the mastermind virtually? 100%. I actually have a bonus resource for this too, which is at mastermindvirtually.com slash bonus yep. that people can check out. But the, the gist is you got this beautiful tool that we're using right now. It's called Zoom. It yep. does breakout rooms. It does recordings. It does, you know, live sessions, webinars. There's just so many different pieces you can use. Uh, I remember how I mentioned that I built a mastermind of 500 people in my whole yeah. town. It took two years of like introductions and, you know, building that, uh, when I went virtual uh, during COVID, it took two weeks to build it to 500 people. Yeah, it was wow. mania. I had to bring in all my friends who I had masterminded with to help me facilitate. So what we did is we, we put people into breakout rooms. We had a spreadsheet where people could do intake. We skipped the, we didn't skip the gratitude and the, and the challenge, but we had people do it beforehand. So we yeah. could go right into the rapid fire solutions. And then as time permitted, we, we gave more time. So it was, it was a little bit overwhelming and it was a little yeah. less connecting that I normally like in, in person. But I think with the right mix of people and facilitators, yeah. you can get a really good result. I would say no more than 20 yeah. per very seasoned facilitator. If you're not a seasoned, start with 10. 10. Yeah, I agree. And is there any, are there any, I'm noticing a lot of new technologies popping up where you can choose who you go with and, you know, mural, mural.co is another one. Are there any technologies that you've seen that are really good for facilitating masterminds or do you suggest Zoom with the breakouts? Or yeah, I like Zoom with the breakouts. I mean, why, can, why not keep it simple? Um, Google Sheets, Twi you know, um, what's the other? Zapier can help you do a lot of automations and take some time off your plate. Yeah. Uh, I don't love Facebook groups because as soon uh, as you stop, uh, engaging with them, they kill your reach. So like yeah. the last few invites I tried to send out reached like 25 out of 500 people for that group, for example. Yeah. yeah. So, so that I wouldn't recommend. I'd recommend an email server, an email list. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome things. Last two questions. Time's just flying. We might have to do a part two. Um, who's somebody, and I know you've got some amazing people in your space. Who's, who's someone you admire? And why? Uh, Tony Robbins is, is yeah. hands down, you know, my hero in the space. I'm not saying he's Jesus and walks on water, but the man is the very best at what he does as far as peak performance goes. And he's such a giver. I got to go to his birthday party right before uh, COVID. So it's February 29th. Wow. Yeah. He's, he's finally 15. He's a leap year baby. Uh, yeah. But he turned, he turned 60 in February and they raised $18.5 million that night, 5 million out of Tony's own pocket to combat sex slavery and child slavery. In, wow. in parts of the world. So they saved 15,000 kids oh. with that money. It's pretty incredible. That's, that's amazing. I love him. He, um, I was in the States um, in 1997. I came over and did, I think I mentioned to you, Camp USA. And I saved up some money and I actually did a two-day Anthony, I was 22 years old, a two-day Anthony Robbins thing over in the States. It was before he ever came to Australia and went into the corporate world for many years. But I still credit you know, his, his IP, his thought leadership and his contribution to, to help me to have what I'm doing today. He's so, the real deal. Yeah, he, really he's, he's the godfather of it all. You know, people yes. go, yeah, no, but he is. And he's amazing. And I love that he gives back. Um, being a limitless leader means to learn, unlearn and evolve. And, you know, whether you're leading a team 
or not, you're a leader, as you know. What helps you, your high energy too? I'd love to know what helps you stay re-energized. Uh, well, you know, the morning routine is, is crucial. I have yeah. created so many over the years, my whole notes and everything is, is at, um, mrbls.co slash, uh, morning ritual with the M and the R capitalized. Oh, cool. So if you want to check it out, uh, feel free to do that. I don't, I don't do it all. I pick bits and pieces. So I'll try to do two or three things a day. The one thing I try to keep is a cold shower, yeah. uh, meditation and some sort of exercise, no matter what. Yeah, that's fantastic. And building habits around that and jealously protecting that time. Yeah, incantations are great. Um, you know, reading myself yeah. a story or some sort of, of book to, to feed my mind is great. There's so many great things you can do, but I try not to overdo it. Like I used to try to do this whole long morning routine. When you've done enough, it's like you've done your whole day and you're exhausted. So just yeah. find your balance and, and do the things you can do, but do something every day for sure. That's right. And when you can, if you're not a morning person and some people are, and I do mine in the morning, but some people, you're more of an hour, do it at night. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. so quick trivia favorite word uh penguin penguin why i love black and white animals i had to put them off camera but here's show me show me here's wally oh, <laughs> Killer whale. Love him. yeah i've got them i've got them all over the house i'm, I'm big into black and white animals uh, and acronyms and alliterations so yeah cool. cool um most loved meal um uh, a steak guy steak you like your steak mm -hmm. What cut? I'm a ribeye guy. Yeah. Ribeye? Ribeye the better. Yeah, yeah. Um, favorite sound or noise? Oh, good question. Uh, I'm a guitar player, so I love guitar music and piano yeah. music as well. Yeah, cool. Yeah, awesome. And what profession, rather than what you're doing now, would you attempt if you could? Uh, <laughs> rock star or comedian? Rock star. Yeah, I could picture you. I could picture you on the circuit. Big time. Awesome. Any last words for our listeners out there? If they're listening and they really want to take their growth, their life and what's possible to the next level, what would you say? hundred percent. I mean, if you guys are, are, are even interested a little bit in masterminds, check out my book, eightminutemastermind.com. Feel free to reach out to me, facebook.com slash Brad Hart with any feedback. And we'd just love to help ease your journey and whatever you're trying to do. Uh, you don't have to go alone and, and I've learned a lot. So I want to share. Awesome. Brad, thank you so much for being on the show. And, and well, like I mentioned before, you know, there's such gold there. There's so many key nuggets that will be in the show notes and all Brad's amazing resources. Um, and yeah, thank you so much, Brad, for being on the call. My pleasure. And I thank you so much for having me and thank you for everybody for listening. And uh, I hope to hear from you soon. You've been listening to Limitless Leaders Podcast, leading from the inside out to develop limitless self-leadership, leaders, teams, and organizations. To find out how you can accelerate your mindset, your communication, collaboration, and connection to become a limitless leader, sign up for our Limitless Leaders Podcast series at www.renegerusso.com forward slash podcast series. That's renegerusso.com forward slash podcast series. 